The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. Up to the short side. Before, but I'm the referee on this team, not you. Hi Rob, Zeeb's here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. Oh, and Ring Rose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ring Rose. Ring Rose is going here. What a score! Welcome to the Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. I'm joined by the dynamic duo of James Downey. Andy, how are you? That wasn't dynamic enough. Really. <laughs> no, well, I thought I was knocked off again. And sports show <laughs> reporter uh, Pat McCarry. Hello, 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 hello. Is that dynamic? No, not really. Yeah. How are we? Very good, thank you, sir. Good. All good. Pat? Oh, good, yeah. Good. Coming up a little later, we're uh, excited to be joined by former Munster fly half Johnny Holland, who's recently opened a new sports nutrition business following his unfortunate retirement from the game uh, a couple of years back. And it's a busy week. There is lots of news going around. There's a big Champion Cup uh, round to come. But first... The name on our lips last week, the name on our lips this week, Jordan Larmer. Is it time? Joe Schmidt, should you be bringing this lad in? Are we there yet? Um, I think regardless of what people say about it, if he's selected in the initial squad or not, I'm sure he'll be in the completely the big squad that he's going to announce, and he deserve, deservedly so. Um, I think he'll be there anyway. Um, Are we sure? Um, yeah. Well, no, oh, yeah. Absolutely, you have to have him in. It's it's interesting. You see, I think um, uh, I think uh, Johnny Sexton had an interview and he alluded to the fact that Joe Schmidt had brought it up mm, um, it about him. Yeah, yeah uh, and that he'd been in camp already. And he, he's smart like that. You know, he's he has these kind of as you'd say peripheral players in there and, and and learning how it goes. And I think, as I say, regardless, he's going to be in that squad if he's named in it or not. He'll be there training. Been there, been around it. I think on form, if you're going to go on form, absolutely. I'm sure Joe knows what his strengths and weaknesses are, 100. percent And um, it's it's a big step up international rugby. So um, I'm sure he's out. Look, he's he's done it at the weekend against Charles Pieto and uh, he's played against many internationals now and, and made them look pretty average. So why not? Yeah, it was, that was it was interesting. We were talking to Andrew Porter there last week and. Um, he was saying, like, talking about the fact that Schmidt had like put the word out that he wanted Larmour in, like he called him up to camp. Whereas the likes of you know Porter and even the likes of James Ryan, they were actually in with the under twenties training against him. But Larmour was actually someone like Ringrose before as well that got called in to have a. Look, I want to have a look at this guy. So, um, I don't know he's, it was brilliant to kind of see and. It is funny. Like he still only has played like I think he's I think he's nineteen games now. Or no, he's not even that many. I think actually, oh, I think he has a lot of them as sub appearances as well. No, it's, and it's not many. It's, it's you're talking single figures. It's not many for since the start of the season. Yeah, mm. yeah. So um, yeah, like he hasn't he hasn't played that many times. But I, st- I think it's just what he's doing when he's there. Like the the bit I enjoyed most from that game was the when he was running at Darren Cave and he t- he turned Darren Cave three or four different ways yeah, like yeah. and uh, yeah and just even the way he, I think the try was disallowed in the end with the little grubber kick through and, and then on the inside shoulder as well and just amazing moments it's just pu- playing with pure instinct and playing you know the, the type of free flowing rugby that everybody loves to see so um, yeah it, it's got it's funny each game that he plays it's making more of a case that he should be there so uh, I think Schmidt will bring him in uh, but then I think Schmidt's also if he likes a player he'll, he'll kind of protect him as well so um, I'm not sure whether he'll play but if he does get a game in the Champions Cup um, you know and, and does well again in the last couple of games then you know he could be he could be in line to play one of these games that's it I think if he steps up uh, and he plays 
Pro 14 is one thing and Europe is, a, is another step up again yeah. so again if you're standing out week in week out in Champions Cup absolutely you know it's a different I'm not sure the two are connected and I'll explain on. why so Leinster need to win now this season in the Champions Cup right Ireland don't need to win now Ireland need to win in the World Cup in 2019 September right so if yep. you're looking at this in terms of a, a long cycle yep. those two contexts are very different and in the first context with, context with Leinster, you've got people like Nathewa and James Lowe who aren't part of a long, you know, a, the, the long-term thinking and eligible for Ireland and all that. Um, but then you move into the Irish context, and I found myself digging through the current crop of back three players who might be eligible for the World Cup in 2019, and you're looking at maybe 17 tests and four plus four warm-ups. That's not a lot of games. So... If you're looking, if you wind it back, the warm-ups, you're not really going to blood a player there. It's too late. That that June, there's not going to be a test. So you're looking at the Six Nations. Are you going to make experimenting then? No. Then you're winding it back into November. You're running out of games. So I would be, I would think he's got a very good chance to play in the Six Nations, regardless of whether he steps on the pitch for one minute in the Champions Cup for Leinster. I still think he will step on the pitch. Um, I see your point. Uh, I still think that even if he doesn't have that much international game time, it's not bad to have a player with that X factor on the bench or coming on. Mm. And he was on. The, he came on for both games yeah. in the in the extra round robin. Yeah, but he makes an impact. Mm. And and the big thing for him, I see it as, is when you're a mark man, it's a different kettle of fish, and everyone has their first first year free say of, oh, no one knows who you are, and then when you're a mark player and people set up defensively to take more out footage, you know? yeah. yeah exactly yeah. And go right well we need to stop him here and this is what we do and that'll be a testament to him then but again you're surrounded by better players the higher up you go and and they have to worry about a lot more rather than your one off your best player your one off players like the that. thing that strikes me about Larmer is that he can do stuff that I you, you can't see other players doing like he's hard to compare against other players if you were doing video on him like that step inside just off the line to go around Stockdale mm. he did it off two feet mm. not even off one it yeah. was something remarkable and uh, it's it's a joy I, my biggest fear for him is just him getting a, some kind of muscle injury that removes that explosiveness it would rob us of what is potentially going to be an incredible career yeah it was interesting about you're saying that about that I would think that Ireland would need to win a Six Nations once before we go out to that World Cup to have any kind of I don't think if we finish second and third going to the World Cup then that we're going to go with any type of ambitions to kind of do much so I think we should I think Schmidt is targeting a Six Nations um, do you think do you think he's targeting the next one though yeah I think so yeah um, although you, you have seen that he has started bringing them in does he I don't know, I was going to say, does he want to win the Six Nations before the World Cup? Yes, he does, but um, this this is the home, well, the away games against, yeah. If, if he can get this first game England won, everything well. might yeah, everything yeah. might change, but, um, yeah. So is, so is this where I am secretly with my long-term planning <laughs> hat, I said, a draw in Paris would be grand. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well then, yeah, if we got a draw in Paris, then it might, all of a sudden we have the three Take home the games. Off. Yeah. We should be beating France. I understand that, but if you, if you start that off, then you get the pressure to. Oh no, we need to win the Six Nations as opposed to listen. I in the prize World Cup time. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah. but I am paid to coach the team. But so. you're actually almost thinking, yeah, that the lads that have been brought in now are being brought in specifically to let's have them peak. You know, next year, 2019. Yeah, 
And you can kind of see with the ages of them all coming in, like the likes of James Ryan, Stockdale, and Porter as well. Yeah. So Stock- Stockdale will be 23 when the World Cup t- kicks off. Larmer, 22. Um, the old man, Robbie Henshaw, 26. <laughs> uh, Andy Conway, 28. Uh, Craig Gilroy, still only 26. So he'll be 28. Um, Simon Zebo, if he's still around, would be 29. And the oldest of the crop would be Rob Kearney. Right, so I've left out Andrew Trimble. I don't see him being involved. Mm. But Rob Carney would still be only 33, which for his style of play, eminently doable. So you can't yeah. rule these people out. But this whole crop of of players who will be in their late mid to late 20s by the World Cups, they, they, I think Ireland have actually managed this right when we see what players have been brought through over the last, say, 12 months. It's not, it's not bad going. Yeah, that, that's the funny thing as well, is that it's the clamour is there. And I saw uh, Matt Cooper was tweeting, I think after 10 minutes of that Leinster game, uh, about Larmore as well, kind of going, surely he's straight into the, the Ireland team. And and then he's like, kind of said, is his defence any good? You know, like, like people getting carried away with it. Um, the only thing I saw was like Conway did him uh, down at Holman Park for one of the mm. tries. But like, it's not like, you, you've seen then Stockdale all of a sudden, this lad who is getting built up and built up every game, had a bad game then. Um, and I was kind of saying, Ulster fans might not agree, but I was going, it's good that Stockdale had that blip then because that's something they can work on. I don't think that was a one-off. And I wouldn't say he had a... A bad game. I thought he was involved in some incidents that mm. were highlights. So McFadden went around him, stuck to a, stuck, um, he was done by Dilarmo. We've already told that. I mean, Porter's, he, that would have brought anyone down. <laughs> yeah, it would have brought in a Buffalo. Yeah. Um, but he was involved in all three. But I think he has set himself high standards, right? And if he's going to just dip below the standard of scoring a try, try a game in his first four tests, fine. Yeah. He's still young. Not a problem. That's it. You're, gonna, you're not going to play an amazing game every single time no so and people are got like even with Larmer now everyone's gone oh well defence and this and that mm. look as I said Joe's going to know exactly what you know, he needs you know to work on and you know it's going to be easier to learn how to take a step towards the touchline as opposed to how to do that step he did round um, Stockdale I know which one you can teach and you can't teach the second one no right? yeah um, edging on talking about new players uh, we'll have a little word about um, Stephen Donald Cooper dummying Quade Cooper Absolutely brilliant Now Gitto looking to get something going oh. It's stood off him And Matt Gitto strolls across and scores the Wallabies third Here comes Stephen Donald Stephen Donald The Beaver Did we see that one coming? No, well, no, I didn't actually. No, no, we I think did. everyone was talking no. about the the Aussies, weren't they? Everyone got it wrong. I was, I was, I was campaigning hard for Quade Cooper to come to Ulster, and excuse me, the official line was that it was a rumor. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yeah, that was a, um, it. It was, it was, it was very, very wishful thinking, and it was for it was for Ulster's benefit that um, that Quade Cooper's name first came into the ether, <laughs> and um, and Matt Gitto would have been a nice second prize, but. Uh, Stephen Donald, good player, but uh, yeah, just it's, it's going to be interesting to see the, the pace and and can he get you know if he gets to the ball, if he gets to the rook, is he going to have the the lungful to kind of still be able to have a clear mind to kind of play the tactics as well? Like uh, mid thirties, I don't know what type of fitness he's going to have when he's coming over to Ulster, but he's going to have to hit the ground running. If you go, I guess from a, if he's coming from Japan, he's going to be pretty fit because yeah, they, they their preseason is probably the hardest preseason apparently for your. Ten games a year, I think they play, or <laughs> but could be an astute signing. Actually, um, he'll control the game. They just need someone to control it, really. Um, I think you look at the experience he has. 
like it's not might be the most exciting ones that Ulster supporters want to see and obviously your mate waters a bit more when you see Matt Giddo and stuff but well but do you know what if you want a player to come in halfway through a campaign he's done it during a World Cup there you go so yeah I think it's going to be fine yeah I think exactly and they just need that that was smooth transition <laughs> yeah 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 but stop it <laughs> makes us all feel old <laughs> but he's still like he's still been there done that and he's still been playing and did you play it, against him did you uh, yeah a couple of times when yeah. he's at bat yeah like wasn't his best time wasn't his best period playing over in bat probably didn't suit him as much it's good for the checkbook though <laughs> it certainly is yeah <laughs> was at that time for him but look um, Japan's going to be nice for him as well but Ulster's going to be look he's going to come in control it hopefully he can because he's a bit more experienced he can bring on some of those younger guys as well and they can step up but it's still it's still only a part uh, part fix for what they need it's, it's, no, but it, it's, it's just going to bring them to the end of the year and then they're going to have to and, that's, it. Yeah. and right now that's what they need because you know we've talked about it before we're not going to go through it again but sliding John Cooney out mm. if they had to um, or the McPhillips option there's a lot of variables there this is something that it's allows a Kiss, a John and Kibbs can count on mm. quick fix exactly. done yeah, yeah, bravo yeah. but now they have to for the summer make a very very summer yeah. now yeah, but I'm. I mean, announced to be to be announced. Oh, sorry, yeah, for next yeah. season. Officially, I'm doing air quotes here. Okay. Officially announced later on. So who, uh, who's yeah. that, who have you got? I'm not head? starting any rumors. Just get Pinar back. <laughs> Start that. The minute this podcast, Ma- McElroy will have to step up again, <laughs> <laughs> big time. It's called anonymous donor. Um, how are Ulster going to go this weekend? Then big game, La Rochelle at home. Yeah, La Rochelle. They, they've started the season on fire, didn't they? But they're they're tapering off a little bit like they, they'll still they could put 60 points on Ulster now but um, it's a nice taper yeah they did they did um, I think they drew with Oyana like Mike Prendergast saw it uh, recently as well and um, I think was it um, Wasps kind of did, did them did them there just late last year and stuff so like Ulster will have a it's completely different I suppose almost they're going to send out the crack squad here Ravenhill it's a shame it's not on a Friday night it's on Saturday afternoon yeah lunchtime yeah yeah which might kind of take away from the atmosphere a little bit but um, they just need to start fast and and get the crowd behind them as well and have a couple of big moments and uh, I think they're capable of it but then that's the thing about Ulster as well this season they're capable of also getting hammered (laughs) I think as well sometimes that time can work in your favour as well especially with a travelling French team um, but there's something I don't know I see something different in this La Rochelle side in terms of okay not a great result in Oyana still a tough place to go especially when they're um, their backs against the wall I presume it was in Oyana um, I'm, I'm going on the basis was it? Oh yeah know? okay um, I still think that they're a decent enough side though um, that they'll they'll have enough confidence at the moment to actually do a job in Ulster Ulster very low in confidence and you can see it um, a lot of fingers been pointed uh, left, right, and centre. So, so La Rochelle currently on fifteen match points, leading that pool one. Ulster on eleven. Uh, Wasps on sorry, Ulster on thirteen. Wasps on ten. But what? Yeah, and La Rochelle are they've wasps away then next week. Yeah. So, and Quins are. Uh, see, this is the problem. Quins are Quins are gone. We don't expect Quins to do anything mm. now. Uh, so Ulster have had their lot. Yeah, uh, filled their boots week. against them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is uh, they need they need this game. If this game is gone, they're not going anywhere. I think. Yeah, and if you're an Ulster supporter, you want to be involved, of course. But is that a bad thing to kind of, or 
I think it's also a breath of fresh air for the Ulster players to kind of go right let's get away from the Pro 14 and focus on something different mm. change your mindset regroup a little bit and then come back in fresh um, it can never be bad I've been in situations where I've uh, been on a bit of a losing streak and Europe just takes that takes it away from uh, the situation and the, I guess a bit of depression that you're going <laughs> through like at the time and refocus play a bit of play with a smile on your face and come back and Mindset's completely different. I mm. think they're. I think they're. Cap- yeah, they are capable of doing it. Like they're. They're capable. Of, you can see, it, especially at home, they've put in some big performances, especially in Europe this season as well. So, um, it'd be interesting if Donald, Stephen Donald, was to arrive and just had Pro 14 to be dealing with and heading off to play Southern Kings and Zebra and Treviso. And yeah, stuff it's like. coming in February, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Um, I think this is Lee Lafano's last home game as well. So. Um, yeah, they're, they're, especially like you look at the backline. Every time you look at the Ulster backline, you're like, these guys are capable of cracking out two or three tries as well. So, uh, and then you, you hope to like, so like, well, Henderson's had some big games for them this season as well. So, mm. there's potential for this to be a high-scoring game. Yeah, yeah, yeah it'd be a good potential. one to kick off the, on Saturday. Yeah, good, yeah. good one to if you're sitting there and watching the games. It's a good one to start off with. So, moving to there's going to be a funny week now. Um, Munster traveling to Racing. Um, never mind anything about what has happened before with that fixture uh, the pre-match uh, media work from Racing <laughs> with Simon Zebo seemingly confirming his move there and it, that's kind of how does that sit with us for a start because for a start the only thing confirmed that so far was that Zebo was leaving Munster mm-hmm, yeah. that's the only thing anyone confirm Andy oh, fine okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on like okay. Yeah, didn't know where he was going to go actually you know, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, for one minute I thought I was going to be stabbed there you know and this, yeah. Mystery. Oh, sure look it's the world's worst kept secret really isn't yeah. it like everyone knows about it it's just been confirmed players aren't going to read pick up the paper this week and go oh my god he's gone there is he it's and we're playing a, him this week you know like, yeah. I am shocked that there's gambling going on here yeah. <laughs> exactly it's like to me it's a I wouldn't say a nothing story but it's look it's the way the, the French do it whatever mm. their rules are about release, uh, signing or announcing signings until a certain time I don't know the ins and outs of their rules but look everyone knows it it's all, it's all been but confirmed by himself mm. and look it just adds a little bit more spice to the game actually doesn't it like in so if Racing beat Munster uh, this weekend then they, they'll both be top of the pool 15 points assuming no bonus points in play yeah. right, so this this is a huge game um, can Munster go over there and take some of the spoils they can but Oh, like Racing looked bloody good against Claremont putting 50 points on Claremont last well, week well so. Claremont in inverted commas I'd say <laughs> yeah yeah but you s- still though like it's like 50 points is 50 points no matter Agreed. like yeah. if you're winning 30 points to 10 grand fair enough but 50 points like that's a hiding you know and, yeah um, I think I think Racing just seemed to kind of getting their uh, act together this this year a little bit a have, little bit have you seen footage of the new Urena yet I have yeah, mm. yeah it's yeah. an odd looking beast very strange with the three the three sides yeah, yeah. it reminds me of do you remember when Arsenal got some work done on Highbury and they put up the mural over the North Bank yeah. it's kind of it, it, it is that feel to it because there's no one at that end of the stadium you wouldn't catch me at an Arsenal game <laughs> sorry yeah sorry. Uh, but no it's, T- I was going to say Jim here yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well actually I've been, been to more Arsenal games than Tottenham games but I was going to say, I thought you reminded me of the Aviva a little bit. The Aviva, yeah, we're very good at three-sided grounds here. Yeah, you know the Aviva, Croker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> someday we'll know how to build a fourth fourth stand. But no, it's it's uh, it's show business, isn't it? It's, uh, 
I, listen, it's a serious enterprise and that thing is going to be a cash machine mm. when you think of the number of concerts and stuff they can they can put through there. But it, it will be an odd atmosphere, I'd say, for, for the players. It's an unusual ground. It's not a usual place to play. Yeah. Com- compared to their other ground, yeah. I think it's a hell of a lot better because there was... Very so Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. The, and the numbers weren't there and the Parisian support can be very different. It's and sloppy enough pitch as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then supporters don't get in behind. At least this is kind of, if you have a close, there's an atmosphere there. And I've mm. seen some of the footage now and you know it looks quite good so on the field do we think that a, a win here for Munster would be a, just a massive it would be a, a point of, for Munster would be great as well yeah. is that uh, the more realistic thing do not come home empty handed from this fixture yeah, and then put much. it all yeah, yeah, into yeah, Castro yeah. at home you can't go in going off we'll take a point you've gone in to win the game but if you get a point you'd be disappointed but looking back you'd be like ah, that point points would be crucial yeah. so that point could They've got to. Uh, they've, they've got a good few players that are well rested for this game as well. Munster, I know they've had a busy time, but even they had O'Mahony on the, the bench at the weekend, mm. and uh, Johan van Graan was saying that the, he said for the last five, I think it was the last three or four minutes, Conway actually came off injured, and O'Mahony's on the bench, and they just left it with fourteen players. Like, and he said, I'd wanted to see how they defended with fourteen for the last few minutes. So like they've completely rested up to the likes of O'Mahony and they've another few guys that didn't play in that Connacht game. So um, they'll be kind of they'll be they'll be well primed for this game. So uh, I think they're I think I'd have more faith in Munster getting a result than uh, than Ulster. But okay. hopefully they both so can get something. <laughs> Interesting. <out. laughs> he let them defend with fourteen, and then the week before is left with thirteen on the field. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's it like you need a grand pra- plan. Yeah, you need exactly. to practice it. Yeah. yeah, Sammy, you need to go out. I, I, need, I need a 14, 14 men for the entire game with thirteen for a while. Can you arrange that, lads? Yes, I can. Uh, Leinster um, cruising. Mm-hmm. Top of the pool now after the back-to-backs against Exeter. They're well, well clear. 18 points. Um, Montpellier second in 13 and Exeter aren't going anywhere with nine. They'd need miracles. Yeah. Um, and Glasgow at home who are out. Yeah. Right. So this is potential. Um, this is potentially a very big game for Leinster because uh, as of round four, right, the seedings look like this for the quarterfinals. Claremont are in first. Leinster are in second purely on points difference. Um, Munster third, La Rochelle fourth, Bath fifth. There's a whole clutch of teams there around 13 points, by the way. So this could be one of these years where you're looking at all sorts of ramifications, including <laughs> going down to try scored. But Leinster need Leinster need points from this game, which is an odd thing to say about Glasgow because they're a hell of a side. But will Glasgow target this game in any way? Um, it's always been a good fixture, to be honest. Um, it's always been a very high-scoring game. Mm. I think... As you say, Glasgow aren't afraid to throw the ball around. Um, I see Leinster winning. I think it's going to be a very good game, high scoring. Glasgow have nothing to lose. Can be dangerous. Um, Leinster are pretty focused, so Leinster at home. And I just think that because uh, if Glasgow are still in it, maybe might change it a little bit. But I think that because th- there's nothing to play for as such, um, that Leinster will will have that edge uh, mentally that they'll actually just they'll run them over I think I think they'll win but I think of all teams Glasgow can be a bit of a bogey team for Leinster I know I'm kind mm. of contradicting myself a little bit but I'll be going with Leinster to get a to get five points it'll be open there's a little bit of bite there isn't it between yeah. both sides like mm. they don't wouldn't be the best of friends like so they could go over and just try and damage them I suppose and, and, and have no shame about saying that as well uh, I, I think it could be an exciting game to be at. I almost think of the Quinn's Ulster game where just one side just goes feck this and starts throwing the ball around and, and that could that could do a bit of damage to Leinster as well but uh, they're in such good form at the moment Leinster and they're just um, 
there's just such a great unit and just so many lads coming in like you almost could you're talking about like four, like 35 players they can pick from at the moment and mm. any one of them would be able to do a job for you like look at McFadden in great form at the moment and, and then yeah, we're, we're praising the likes of Larmor but like Rob Kearney just a, ma- a man to come back in and, and be on top form and, and even Healy uh, well rested as well mm. so it was funny I think TG4 fl- flicked to the stands during that Leinster Ulster game and it was oh yeah it's a, ra- it's a so who's many, who of, yeah. of Irish yeah. talent yeah, just it was sitting there in overcoats yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what the selection is going to be interesting for the next two weeks because yeah. right we need points at home got to win that one and then uh, it's Montpellier away Montpellier mm. away yeah you so know, hopefully just to spin back yeah. to like, if if Leinster do let's say squeak a win right high scoring game this week if they get bonus point great but they really do need to, to open up something on the tiebreakers if they do slip down into third or fourth seats in this suddenly you're in a much worse place because you cannot get a home, home semi-final yeah. Right, so the way that the draw works, first and second, you have the potential. You're not guaranteed home semi-final if you win your quarter. But third and fourth, you can't. You're always travelling away, which makes your adventure in the Champions Cup much, much more difficult. Mm. So they'll be well aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, last point, just before we move on. Uh, Connacht will need to keep an eye on what Claremont are doing this year, right? Because Claremont uh, are second favourites for the Heineken Cup uh, behind Leinster. But they're 10th in the Pro 14 and well off and the way that the 20th seed for the Champions Cup works next year is that it's the winner of the Champions Cup if they're not already qualified there's Claremont and big red lights there so that would mean even if Connacht won the Challenge Cup if they slipped up in the Pro 14 oh yeah right so there'll be a lot of eyes on what Claremont are doing how they're going to the competition we'll, we might come back to that we're joined on the line now by former Munster fly half Johnny Holland Johnny welcome to the Hard Yards Thanks for having me. Uh, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go a little flashback. Um, April 2016, Aviva Stadium. Uh, people are walking away from a very good uh, Leinster Munster match, talking about Johnny Holland, who's had a stormer at fly half, scoring all 13 points. Johnny, I'm now talking to you about nutrition business. Um, we're gonna come back to to your gap in between, but what is the new business? Um. Well, I suppose when I was playing rugby, I was um, I was very interested in nutrition anyway, uh, and it was something I kind of had to be interested in because I was uh, only a little fella, as Jimmy knows, and I had to do a bit of um, a bit of work on my nutrition to try and get bigger and, and play with lads that were a lot bigger than I was. So it was always something I was interested in anyway, and um, I did some studying and did my postgraduate in um, applied exercise and sports nutrition, and I was kind of just waiting, biding my time finding it hard to put myself out there but I've kind of finally taken the leap and, and set up my own website in um, kind of nutrition consultations and health and wellness um, talks which I kind of incorporate my, my story as well of my rehab and what it took to get through it and how to deal with it and, and kind of changing over from so transitioning from rugby it's kind of a career change that people can um, that they can kind of you know, bring back to their own lifestyle and how they go through things as well so um it's just it's newly up and running, but it, it's something that's kind of quite exciting for me. Well, let's 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 jump back then. Um, so you do, apart from the nutrition, you've mentioned that you're looking at sort of resilience and health and wellness. Um, how hard was it to take when, barely six months after that game, you were out of the game because you'd had trouble with hamstring before, but suddenly it said no. And what happened then? Yeah, it, it, uh, it was obviously the most difficult thing that I've been through. It's uh, it's not something that you can kind of prepare yourself for either. So it was 
it was hard to take. Like it's, it's still hard to take, but you know you have to get on with it. So um, trying to find your own way to do that or trying to learn from different people is, is key to it. But I don't know if you ever get over it. Uh, leaving the game when you're ready to leave the game is probably hard enough. But when you're just kind of getting a taste and um, kind of starting to enjoy it a bit more, it's, uh, it's definitely a hard one. And for, for those of us who have pulled a hamstring before, you're not talking about a simple hamstring pull. What exactly was no. the impact on you? Um, so I, I, I tore the ham, my hamstring from the bone, which the hamstring has three tendons at the top of it, and I, I tore them all off the bone, basically. Um, so the surgery was to attach them back on and rehab the muscle to try and get the bulk back in it and, and have a normal hamstring, which sounds straightforward enough, and that's what I thought when I was going into my, my surgery as well. Like, um, But the way it turned out I don't know what happened in between but um, I was rehabbing with not a lot of hamstring there like not a lot of tendons attached which I didn't really know and uh, it, just, it was never really going to last even though I didn't find that out until I saw the final specialist I suppose and he kind of shed some light on what was actually going on or in his opinion anyway there was a couple of opinions thrown out there but that's what he was kind of thinking so out of the three tendons I don't have much of them still attached, so my some of them are, are recoiled into my hamstring muscle, which you can't really get back. And if you if you were to try and get them back, it's kind of a it's a very messy situation, and there's no guarantees that you'll get anything from it. So it's um it's a frustrating one because maybe things could have been done a bit differently, but uh, that's the way it is now. And it's you know because I don't have uh, all the tendons attached, I guess very bad tendinopathy and whatever is there because that's trying to take the strain from what's not there. So it's very overloaded. Okay, so we're now we're a good few months after that. Um, it's now the second life for Johnny Holland. But uh, you were a fan. I was reading a piece on Rugby Players Ireland um, of giving nutrition advice or being asked for it by some of your colleagues when you were still playing. Um, so is this <laughs> yeah. a habit that started young? Yeah, it would have been um, when I went to. I trained with uh, Paddy Roach over in Fortune in Cork before we moved over to CIT. That was my kind of first taste of it. So we were doing mates with Paddy all the time. I was probably 17 or 18 and he was the first one to kind of give me nutrition advice and I just um, I took it on board fairly handy because it was something that I'm always interested in anyway but uh, it was something that I've been forced to be interested in as well to try and uh, take part in a sport like that so um, I, I, I always kind of took a liking to it I've always been fairly interested in kind of asking more questions where some fellas are happy just to know the information I'm asking why and trying to get more out of people so it was just uh, it, it was kind of a natural thing for me so when you were you, you said you were you know a smaller player at the time so what did you need from your diet uh, a lot of food uh, you'd be surprised how smaller lads might actually burn a lot more calories than bigger guys um, but it's just kind of down to your metabolism and, and your genetic makeup as well I suppose how, how some people can burn a lot of calories and they don't think they're doing much like you know um, I remember we, we wore sensor armbands when Warren Bradley was doing his PhD with us but um, some of the, the calorie output um, and you wouldn't really expect it you'd uh, you can pretty much it's a free for all when you're eating you have to kind of cheat through your through your week some way because you have to get the calories in or you're going to just you're not going to perform or you're going to start um, you know after a couple of weeks of games you know your weight is going down and and that's not that's not a good thing uh, but it's hard to keep it up in season because you can't do as much uh, as weight as you'd like to because you're recovering and you're taking hits during the weekend, so it's just something that happens. So nutrition has to become a big part of it. Jimmy, how was your diet when you were playing? <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing at there, Johnny. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was it was interesting, but I was actually going to ask Johnny. Um, do you know 
when you when you have to do you know there's other players as well in the squad who would nearly force force feed themselves and would pain to kind of eat two meals a day just to kind of keep up because they burned that extra bit did you find did you yeah. struggle to have those big meals constantly and did you like even yeah. and again when you finished then on the back of that was it fine to kind of go right back to normality and eating some smaller portions well when I was uh, well, yeah I, I think it's actually it's a different kind of training trying to make yourself eat that much because you can't just do it you can't just start one day and say I'm going to eat twice as much as I ate yesterday you can't do it like I think you've got kind of step it up gradually and uh, at the start it was a pain but I got I got very used to it and it just became second nature to me but at the same time I thought I was uh, I was eating really healthy food and I was trying to do it uh, by the book but that's a lot of food volume for what you're actually getting in so mm-hmm. I could have helped myself in a way which I kind of I started to learn more and more but like it's still a lot of food regardless so yeah it was times you're sitting in front of the plate and you're actually just force eating yourself or you have to have another snack and you just don't want it and it's kind of um there's no freedom with that either like you know you have to eat you have to eat constantly like and you might be out with someone and you're just looking for food or you might be calling over the friends I remember I was bringing food with me to call over the friends it was like bringing a bowl of porridge in a shaker and stuff like that it was sad like but uh, it was just stuff that I had to do but when I gave up the game um, I had a disgraceful appetite anyway from doing that for so long so I still eat quite a lot of food but I have to because I still waste away if I don't have food like and all I'm doing is some gym work so um the fear of turning into a little boy again, I suppose, after being a rugby player, still gets me. Like, I still try and eat as much as I can. Jesus, a lot of listeners going, my heart bleeds for the man who loses weight. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's good size and bad size. But, like, it, it's obviously, it's handy because you can get away with eating a bit more. But, like, it's uh, it's just something in my head that I have to keep eating. And that can it's still a bit draining. But I'm, I'm definitely more relaxed about it. But I know people are going to be thinking that. You God love you. Uh, Johnny, if you would you have like since you started this up, do you have like a few rugby guys that you'd be in in regular touch with, even if it's amateur? And, and, and is there a few kind of tips that you'd give them for their for their nutrition? Yeah, like uh, I'm coaching up in Con anyway, so there's always lads asking me things, and there's a few a few of the younger lads always looking for um, a bit of advice on it. So um, yeah, there, there's a, a few lads playing rugby that I'd be in touch with, right? And, and is that do you have like kind of like you know a top two or three things that you'd kind of advise them to kind of look after their own nutrition? Um, it's it's very kind of individual, I suppose. But um, when you're playing rugby, you're doing a lot of weights. You're trying to get your muscle mass up. So protein is obviously everyone knows that rugby players are always eating a lot of protein and drinking shakes and stuff. But um, it's just kind of fueling your sessions is, is a big thing. So fellas, are, fellas can be quite afraid of carbs when they're. Actually, it's needed for rugby because you're doing a lot of high intensity training whether it's in the gym or on the pitch if you don't fuel your carbs properly then you're not going to feel great uh, but that becomes a bit fellas get a bit afraid of it when they are when they do put weight on a bit easily that they get totally afraid of carbs Like so I think understanding that is uh, is the main thing that I try and get across to people and um, you know eating before and after sessions and things like that but it is very individual like you wouldn't want to be putting out blanket statements too much and then uh, it just doesn't suit some people you know there was we were talking to Keen Healy recently for the the podcast, and he was saying to us that uh, what he's doing now is he just eats when he's hungry, like he doesn't have any set meal times, and he says that's doing better for him. Do, do kind of a lot of lads do that type of stuff? Sorry, that, that's the that's the work of a forward right there. <laughs> eats when he's hungry. Yeah. Fifty three minutes. It's uh, it's it's grand for him when he's when he's that big. <laughs> uh, but he's I know he's been bigger, so maybe he, he's changed too. And I saw some of that. Um, I saw an article from some some of that conversation about him, and he's dropped a lot of kilos. But uh, 
Yeah, it's like some people, if they eat when they're hungry, they'll end up putting on a lot of weight, you know. But uh, so you have to have a bit of structure, and you can't just listen to your body completely unless you're like him, and he's probably been into his diet for a lot of years now. So he's uh, he's well versed in what his body needs. But if you say that to the average punter, I think they they'll just start eating whenever they want, <laughs> yeah. and that might not be the best thing either. When you talk about structure, are you talking about you know things like meal plans, um, food diaries? Are these things that help people? Yeah, they are. Like, and it doesn't have to be that, that structured either. I give meal plans to people, but some people work very well from a meal plan and they want a lot of structure. Other people don't like it at all and you just need to work on a few habits with them and um, kind of troubleshoot along the way, see what's working and see what's not. But like, it just, again, it depends on the person. There's certain timings of food where protein becomes important to, to time that because muscle protein, protein synthesis and your muscle mass, it's, uh, it's quite a regular um, it's quite a regular thing where you have to feed your protein every kind of two to three or four hours but um, away from that like it maybe if you're training quite heavily and you're doing a session every day or maybe two a day sometimes then it's very important as well for timing your meals but I would say that for the average person it, it's it's not that structured like it's it's uh, it's watching your overall calorie count as a main thing getting getting enough protein in and after that it's not that it's not that um, you know it can be a lot more simple than people make it out to be so your target audience here for for what you're doing here with um with your business i'm presuming it's not just athletes it could be just someone who wants to to eat better or to just to fuel their body a bit better correct yeah exactly like it um like i i would definitely say that it's not a, so like sport is a big thing for me um but anyone any average like the average exerciser going to the gym a couple of times a week or anybody just wants to lose some weight change their body shape uh, feel more energetic that's all my kind of thing I wouldn't cross the line and say I'll cure somebody's high blood pressure or their high cholesterol that's, that's, that's not my game because that's not how I'm qualified and I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't try and pick up any extra clients and, and bluff my way through it like you know but um, definitely like the active exerciser kind of role anyone playing sports at any level someone going for a jog a couple of times a week like they can all uh, that's kind of the target market really I was listening to a talk from um, Dr. Sharon Madigan. She's the nutritionist for Team Ireland, and her job yeah. it's fascinating because I'm reminded of it because Johnny, you mentioned everything is individual, and she was preparing all sorts of different athletes for solo sports, team sports, explosive sports, long you know, imagine Olympic pentathlon. You're there for the whole day, mm. uh, but she also mentioned just like someone working in an office job. Well, that's kind of a routine as well that you need to eat for to plan for. You know, so that's that's yeah, kind of and thing. Um, people get mentally fatigued as well in an office job, and they, you know, there, there's ways you can eat to help yourself with that as well. So you don't want to be drained. <laughs> you don't want the three o'clock slump, the classic one. But uh, there's ways to eat in the office, and it's very easy to start picking at small things when you're sitting at your desk. Like so, um, there is a there is a structure when people are working in an office because there's certain times where they can eat, um, so that can help. But they, it's certainly something that they should be looking at as well. It's not just performance in sports like it's performance in whatever you're doing throughout the day and performance is a strong word it kind of scares people away but it is try, just trying to get the best out of yourself in the day today it doesn't have to be um, doesn't have to be a World Cup or the Olympics like, but you want to get the best out of yourself regardless and your potential Johnny you, you were saying last time we were talking for, for sports show you were saying that you'd still one of the big things now was getting along as a fan to, to see Munster and stuff uh, how do you how do you make their season so far and, and the likes of someone like Ian Keatley who you would have challenged for that number 10 jersey uh, yeah, I'm actually kind of a small bit more out of touch this year. I had plenty of time to go to all the games and watch everything, but um, with coaching con and trying to not be too obsessed with it, I kind of have to 
and give the odd one or two a skip. But um, I'd still be keeping it close enough, I'm this from a, a, a bit more distance than last year. But yeah, they're they're doing all right. They probably have had a tough Christmas and uh, going into a tough European few weeks now. So we'll see how they get on through that. But Keith is doing very well. Um, he's having a great season. Like so, it, it's good to see, especially when to need him because. Uh, Tyler's going through a tough time and they need someone to step up in the 10 jerseys the way Tyler has been all the last year so it's great to see him step up a bit um, but you know I think it's not as good a season as last year which was it was always going to be tough but it's uh, they're not in a bad place so we'll see how, see how they get on in the next couple of weeks Right we'll see if they uh, got on to johnnyholland10.com for some diet advice <laughs> Right Johnny listen thanks very much for your time today No thanks for having me on all right, up next we've got match previews and fan questions to come. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. Welcome to the match previews. Myself and Pat are going to continue our head-to-head to see if we can predict the most results. This score coming into last week was 59-47, but big week, Pat. Big 4-1. Week. That's, well, that's probably my best week yet, so um, good week. all the haters can go suck it. <laughs> Hi. High road here. <laughs> the high road. Uh, it is, yeah, so 60-51, charging up uh, from the back of the field. Uh, r- straight through these. Ulster are, um, actually, La Rochelle, actually, are one-point favourites at the Kingspan. Um, are you taking the Ulster or the La Rochelle side of this? Ulster. <coughs> Ulster. <coughs> Very clear. Um, I will take the La Rochelle side of that. Oh, you're straight in there, Pat, yeah. as well. Was that just like a subtle cough saying you're one of us is no, just something wrong? No, 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 no. I, d- I like the way you offloaded it straight to Pat because you were unsure. I was like, what's he going to do? Okay, I'll take the next two then. Oh, great. Right. Uh, Leinster, Glasgow. Leinster, um, they're now 17 points. They've come in a bit, there, but they were 20. They've come really? to 17. So, uh, 17 my favourites against Glasgow at home. 17 is a lot of points. Uh, 10 points, yes. I am going for Glasgow here. Yeah, okay. but I could I can absolutely see a world where it's actually tight enough and then with 10 minutes to go it opens up yeah yeah. yeah I think that's what the bookies look at as well last yeah. 10 I'll go Glasgow as well there yeah both of us going Glasgow grand uh, Rassing four point favourites at home to Munster in the U Arena or the U Arena as they'd probably like to say um, I'm not sure I feel about this I think I think Munster but I think they're going to lose yeah, oh, what, it, what did you say? Four points. Was it? Four points. I take seven, but four. Yeah, I'd go four nearly. Yeah, I think they'll be they'll be close. There, thereabouts. Considering the sage advice you've heard around this table today, <laughs> Mister McCarry, what's your call? Monster, monster. So hold on, see, are you a monster as well? I am. Yeah, because okay. it's, it's a safe week. I'm just Very safe. Week. I'm just hedging my bets now. Yeah, it's a, no, it's. A, a Worcester versus Connacht. We don't. Um, we don't have a line for that. Um, we will leave it out. Yeah. Okay. Connacht. Sorry, Connacht fans. Sorry, Connacht. Yeah. For the record. Or you could just go. Are you happy to? Would you be happy to say Worcester? Is it Worcester at home? It's Worcester at home. I think. Yeah. Yeah. There say you go. That could be a little bonus point in that one, could there? Okay. No. What? Do you need odds? Just a winner take all. He's going to win. Yeah. Well, go. unless you're going to go the same team and then you can just move on. Yeah, we're both going Connacht. Yeah. So we, oh, right. move, we move on with our lives. Right. <laughs> I said Connacht and then I remembered they were away. But yeah, Champions Cup winner 11 4 Leinster, 9 2 Claremont. Um, Challenge Cup. Connacht and Edinburgh are both second favourites for the Challenge Cup. Um, we talked about the ramifications of Claremont earlier on. They, right now, would both be in the playoff in the Pro 14 
for their last the seventh oh, yeah. spot this is going to get real complex it's okay we'll keep you all in touch as we get to the point <laughs> at the end of the season wait until and it becomes the, uh, so excited I am yeah <coughs> Calculate, these, calculators yeah. out wait until it becomes the pro 18 next year in the three conferences oh yeah here we go that's great and everything um, fan questions um, we got some really good ones in this week thank you very much uh, if you want to get a question into the panel use the hashtag AskTHY and we will pluck them out um, first one Johnny Weir thank you for this one cracker which currently playing or retired Irish forward would make the best back and which back would make the best forward I had some great fun with this gents what names spring to mind um, <coughs> standout name for me uh, Niall Ronan 100% uh, forward to back would fit in the centre has played in the centre so we were in the coffee shop earlier on and you said I know one man straight to mind there's nobody else Niall Ronan yeah um, oh, skill, skills skill level reading in the game um, could have played in the centre I remember they did try Dennis Leamy in the centre but um, no Nyler, Niall Ronan just intelligence skill set so there's a world where the Munster oh, number 12 was occupied by Niall Ronan for many many years there was there was a time where he actually played in the centre, yeah. So, yeah. but but comfortably one of the most skillful players I played with. So okay, uh, so forward to back, any candidates? Uh, David Wallace, because he's just that good of an athlete that he could just turn his hand to anything if you got him young enough. Yeah. Yes. Go along with that. Okay. Go on, Andy. Your couple of other ones, um, similar vein. Dean O'Connigan. You could have sat him on the wing. Right, I got a bit of a, a <laughs> sorry, look here. Sorry, now, what year is that? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm only a little older than you, Jim. <laughs> uh, Sean Cronin as a centre. Yeah, yeah, that's the obvious one. We, we could it? see that. Yeah. Um, we could see Dennis McBride as a scrum half. I know I'm going back a bit. Right. Mike, Mike Gibson in the pack. <laughs> <laughs> Willie John McBride <laughs> playing ten. Let's move into the backs who would do a good oh. job in the pack. <laughs> <laughs> been a quiet week <laughs> old, old man McGeady was having fun with this uh, right backs into the forwards I've got my wild card here but uh, Jimmy you got any candidates backs, backs who would have made a, even a passable forward the bar is going to be low here it is I'm, I'm struggling to it's think it's much I'm harder happy. isn't it yeah it is because when you're looking at the forward you're going well can they pass at all and do they have a bit of pace that's it yeah, right yeah. but a, f- a back becoming a forward now the intricacies are yeah, yeah you want to lose a lot of natural skill yeah. at once and just gain you, you, obviously every single back that you're putting in is going straight in the back row yeah almost certainly yeah um, no, I've nothing that's jumping to mind but I'm happy to right next yeah what have we got uh, Brian O'Driscoll as La- a, as latter a, stages of his career Brian O'Driscoll okay yeah okay I did put him on my list for that reason like he did for act as an auxiliary back row and was very good at it yeah, so yeah. he's on. If you needed someone to do a job, and you know, yeah, I was going to think of Henderson that. as well. Rob Henderson as well. Oh, actually, I've got one. Oh, sorry, Irish player. Ignore me. I've yeah, got, I've got oh, there's players. other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah so pick any Fijian backs, just stick them in a pack. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, John McWheeny one <laughs> yeah. one cap versus New Zealand, but used to play second row. There you go. It's really? cheating. What a cap it was as well. Jim's not happy with it today. No, it's not. No, it's all right. It's all right. It's good thinking there. Yeah. yeah, I can't pick myself. No, for what well, your school's career? Yeah, go, yeah, I play a nice six defensive role. I can see that. Yeah, you need to build up a bit, though. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, okay, next one from all things oval. 
After a few red cards recently given due to reactions and frustration, what part of what piece of frustrating cynical play often let go do you wish was left in 2017? A um, couple of examples he gives us, you know, chat back to refs, appeals for cards, um, legs left there to trap player, players in a rook, um, people falling over people that they could avoid. Um, I, w- I will go straight in. I don't like the back chat trend from non-captains. If you're the captain, you've generally got license to have a word. I don't like the non-captains um, chatting and waving the fingers. Yeah, I'd agree. And... Um Football Esther looking for yellows, yeah, yeah, going up looking for cards, um, if or doing the TMO sign again. If you're the captain, go up there, you know, say, Listen, ref, we I'm telling you, we have something I would like to ask you to have a look at. Very polite, no problem. You're the captain, you can make a request, but doing the signs to be and that's for the cameras, like also the the wooing and stuff like that. I know it's part of it, like the what's the wooing after someone you get a push over try and they all start going woo <laughs> but, uh, what, Ric Flair it's just like oh, there's no need for that yeah but, but these, some of these things are easily sorted out you know they are, yeah. if yeah. you're the referee and you say right next next person's not the captain who talks to me or motions at me it's uh, 10 yards stone penalty yeah, yeah. Um, what about players sort of uh, the cynical stuff that's always going to be there but the cynical stuff looking for the, the cheap penalty is doesn't sit quite as well yeah I prefer the cynical stuff that's smart play on the field as opposed to Examples. looking so what, um, what, what were you good at um, staying on so if you're one of their best players say is a nine so say you play a Harlequins um, Harlequins like to get Danny Kerr involved you keep Danny Kerr down you sit in him you hold him every single breakdown or every single time you have a chance to tackle him just don't let him up you're just you're you're getting you're having time getting to your oh, feet there. So Sorry, just Danny. Lie there and pull him Sorry. back, and the ball's gone. And if they're relying on him to play a quick tempo, you're keeping him out of the game and slowing it down. Your defensive line is set then, and you can put them under pressure. It's just been smart, like you mm. know, taking same with tens. Like you can see, sometimes holding on to legs. Munster were very good at it back in, like when you had uh, Quinny Wallace yeah. and stuff, like stuff like that. Just pulling, like it's. And then it's up to the other. Once it's smart, if the referee referees it, you got to change it up. But if they don't, you keep and, going. And the other teams enforcers. Completely. I mean, if you keep yeah. doing that, you're going to expect someone yeah. to uh, remind you to let yeah. their teammate up again. As long as you're subtle about it, there was. I also think in the lengths are very good in a, and Munster are getting better again at it in the twenty twos. Just when you're picking and going and it's frustrating to watch just blocking people on the left blocking the defensive fold coming around mm. um, holding people down pulling forwards back okay they've they've dealt with it in lads going through the rook and holding on to players and taking players out yeah driving through that became a, that, that started <coughs> to get silly and you it's, do still see it in some games where yeah. the guys are going straight through and they've got the arm but out that's ridiculous yeah. but they dive past it and yeah. they're on the ground and they're tackling someone and that's yeah. crazy like it's you can still be subtle and have a little shoulder and I think if you saw even with Joe, a couple of players that Joe Schmidt used to play or Lens used to play with the off a rook they'll pass it back to Rob Carney coming on a short line and they'll have someone blocking so there's a little <laughs> gap in beside that rook but then I think Paul O'Connell was brought back for a blatant shoulder to take out that proper whoever it was mm. but small things like that if you can do it right it's that's what you're looking for you know? okay so so we're looking to to veer back into the the clever side of the clever cynical and not the cynical side exactly but that's you're looking for different outcomes in each one there you're looking to looking for punishment there you're looking to actually yeah we saw like I said that Connacht Lens game we saw Sexton pulling Marmion back 
to make space on the wing like but he just it was so blatant he grabbed the jersey and but you do it if you get caught you get caught like but it's up to the refs then to kind of spot yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. which is, that's it I yeah. think people get frustrated when you just see this thing happening on and on again and no one seems to be doing anything yeah. about it yeah. Uh, next one from Drew Davis. Uh, direct us to Jimmy. Should academy players be playing week in, week out for AIL sides? Is it fair on club players who are continually in and out of the team due to branch pressures to play academy players allocated? Yeah, I think academy players should play as much as they can. Do you mean so in this I context? Do you mean that you're in the club or you're not? You can't be swanning in and out. No, you can't. No, 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 no. You can be in. You can be both. Um, Okay. Long term, is it going to go that way? Is it going to stay that way? Like, okay, example, Clontarf. We get players coming forward and back from Leinster. We don't know week to week if they're with us or not. Hmm. Um, Obviously, be great if we knew straight away, but we're not being eyes there now. Um, Again. Um, academy is BNI is taking precedence over AIL. So, 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 so tell us, tell us how that works. So, you, you're basically told, right? Um, you know, John, Johnny Flashy on the wing is coming back from the academy. Uh, we need him to play. Is that how it works? Yeah, that's um, and minutes are allocated. And yeah. right, he used to play thirty minutes. He's played forty. Hmm. They can't say play a game again. You don't know if they say, or oh, you only have him for twenty minutes. If someone gets injured. So this is a microcosm of what happens when Irish squad players are released back to Leinster saying Knock we need that effect. lads to yeah. play 40 minutes this mm. week to keep ticking over. Yeah. yeah, but that's the way it is and that's yeah. it's great that we have that uh, that they still trust the the system the the UBL league now but academy players need to play I think they're wrapped up there's going to be enough time for them to be wrapped up and, mar- and, and cater for but are a few down the line but young players need to play how you get better is you play someone's coming out of school they're great players what do you do oh well restrict game time you get better by playing like, and that's mm. why some players who mightn't be as good I see it as some players go to academies or uh, under 20 sides and because there's so many players there they don't play well if you have other lads who mightn't have been as good in school go to a different club will play and all of a sudden they improve considerably and it, like to play in the UBL it's it's a big step up you know especially coming from school when you're young lads you're playing against bigger lads country lads you know everything mm. going very different especially when you consider that if you're by definition in the academy you're probably from the pointy end of the school structure um, or the underage structure anyway yeah. so you're probably playing on dominant sides exactly and that will change when you go into the UBL and you're playing against kids who the same age yes. now you're playing against men as such and it's a big yeah. step up so people who are probably very good at sitting on them <laughs> exactly but it's learning you learn your trade so we have some young players who are learning their trade they're not the full um, full uh, article just yet but mm. they're learning a trade and they'll get better from these experiences they'll make mistakes which is fine so very quickly before yeah. we leave how's the season going with Clontarf um, okay bad weekend yeah Lansdowne very good side um, dropped a fourth so a couple of weeks to uh, remedy that yeah so Lansdowne are out in front but it's actually yeah, quite 100%. tight in the yeah yeah it's always very, it's, it doesn't take much for a team to beat another team it's, got, it's gone from one or two mm. teams dominating have, so you de-re- have you deregistered yourself yet nope why, why would I do something <laughs> like that I don't know it's in pain after playing uh, yeah, I'm still recovering. <laughs> One game in. One game. <laughs> One game. What you guys need to do is get Johnny Flashy in for the rest Johnny of the Johnny Flashy, yeah, I've heard yeah. he's very good. Yeah. He was good yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. Name for the... Name for the <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We'll leave it there. 
Thanks to James Downey and Pat McCary for joining me in studio and to Johnny Holland for speaking to us this week, to Alan Lachnan for producing and Paul Doddingham was on sound. We'll be back next Thursday with a new podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud and every good podcast app to get it straight to your phone. This has been The Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe.